0: This is the Hand Down Man Down Show on NBN Radio. Yeah! What's going on, everybody? It's another edition of the Hand Down Man Down Show. Danny Thompson back signing on, which, once again, Tim will be on. Tim will join us later on in the episode. But in the meantime, I got a really good, really good guest on the show. We got a really good guest on the show today. And he's he's been on the show in the past. And it's only it's only fair and it's only fitting that we have him back on. That is the infamous Rob Sonny of the five by five. What's going on with you, Rob? How you been?
1: What's up Danny? Thanks for having me on. It's uh, you know, night 4 of the season. Start we got some good matchups tonight and uh just a lot of basketball to talk about to be honest. Yeah, no
0: question, man. I definitely agree with you. Like you said, it's it's a lot of good games coming on tonight. It's, it's definitely some good games coming on this weekend. But in the meantime season like you said, we got a lot of basketball to talk about. And it's it's crazy to mention that we're already here. This, this the NBA season has gotten started.
1: Yeah. Uh, we just uh we just had our first back to back last night. I think Miami played their uh first back to back against Washington, eked out the one point win. So it's uh it's full swing for some of these teams.
0: Oh yeah, no question. I was and I didn't even think about that. You're right, it was our first back to back last night, you know, between but I mean there's been so much going on between LeBron's debut and Kawhi making his debut in Toronto looking real good and you know, it's 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 a lot to digest. A lot of storylines. A lot of storylines. A lot of storylines, and it's only and it's and we haven't even been in the season for a full week yet. It's only been a few days. So, but before we into it, let's let's just go ahead and dive right into it because the big storyline and everybody was talking about. We've been talking about it since the t- since the summertime rolled around when he signed with him on that four year deal. LeBron finally made his debut with the Lakers last night, albeit. It wasn't a loss, but he still he still had a good performance. He was, you know, twenty six points, twelve rebounds, and six assists. Uh, what did what did you think of LeBron's game uh, last night?
1: All right, so uh, yeah, I watched, I watched the uh, Laker uh, Blazer game. The thing that stuck out to me most, Danny, is that they were in transition a ton. The Lakers had thirty six possessions in transition. Portland only had seventeen. Not that Portland's always that big of an up and down team. But if you look in the past, most teams that LeBron's on, they like to slow the pace, and they're not in this, They're not in transition as much because LeBron likes to bring up the ball. So the 36 transition possession, that really stuck out to me. Offensively, it's going to take time. A um, couple times LeBron threw some solid passes, and the guy wasn't there. The biggest takeaway offensively, I think for me, and I don't know, maybe it's the same for you, is they really tried to push Kyle Kuzma at the 5 and LeBron at the 4. And Kuzma just can't handle fives like he's just he's he's not he's not good defensively against threes and fours to begin with. He's not strong enough against fives. He gets picked on. And that's just LeBron has to play the five if you're going to play that lineup. And I'm very worried of well, I'm not worried, but it will be interesting to see how long Luke Walton goes with the Kuzma at the five thing, because Portland's not even a big team and it didn't look good versus them. No, not at all, and I'm with you. I was kind of surprised that Kyle
0: Kuzma was at the center so much in that game last night. It was it was amazing to see. Like, cause even, cause even when you look at it, his usage rate, his he had the he had the third highest usage rate last night. He was he had a usage rate of 25, percent and that was only under Brandon Ingram, who was at 25.6. Lebron's at 27.6. So you're right; they were definitely pushing Kuzma a whole lot last night. But the one thing that really stuck out to me last night, and it's it's mainly because of you know Lonzo Ball and him being the number two overall pick from a season ago, he really didn't see a lot of action last night. He only played. I mean, granted, he played 19 minutes, but he cough. He only had seven shots. He was only he had seven points, four rebounds, only one assist. And you know, we're used to seeing him get about ten points, seven rebounds, seven assist the game last night and then the other thing that stuck out to me is and I thought I would never agree with the Stephen A. Smith reference but I guess I'm going to have to right now oh boy Kentavious Caldwell Pope where were you last night 27 minutes five points two rebounds only
1: took three shots yeah, what? no that uh, that that leaves a lot to be wanted. That that leaves a whole lot
0: to be wanted. Because if that's the case, if if Kentavis Caldwell Pope was going to give you that type of production in that type of role, and yes, it's only game one, I'm not putting a whole bunch of stock into him only taking three shots. But if that's the case, you should have started Josh Hart because Josh Hart had a had an excellent game last night. He was eight to twelve from the floor with you know 20 points, you know four rebounds and very good on the defensive end. He had three steals and two blocks last night. But the main thing, but I'm with you. Besides besides Kyle Kuzma being pushed at playing the five so much last night, I agree LeBron should be playing the five if going to do all that with those two on the floor. You know, KCP and Lonzo Ball really stuck out to me last night and it was it was weird. It was weird seeing that and I'm not used to seeing you know that type of that type of play. But the only other thing I can think of is the fact that L.A. was horrible from the
1: three-point line last night. What did you see? it What did you think about that? Yeah, so they got some solid looks, and they missed, uh, they missed those looks, obviously. They started the game, I believe it was 0, 0 for 16 on uh, three-pointers, and then I think that or it was like 0 for 15, 0 for 16. They wound up finishing the rest of the game 7 for 16, so that wasn't too bad of a percentage. Uh, yeah, the three-ball wasn't going down. And with those smaller lineups that, Oh, well, I'll, I'll say this first, Josh Hart's good. So just play him. Like I know he was like a second round pick. I know he's like an older second year player, like take the training wheels off. He was good last year. He was dominant in summer league. He was arguably the third best player on the court for the Lakers last, last night. Like I get it. KCP's getting money and I get it. KCP is a clutch guy and you know, LeBron, you know, that's, lebron's agency but josh hart needs to play 30 minutes a game like i, I don't care if you have to do, run a three-guard lineup of lonzo uh rondo and josh hart and then you know you have to play ingram at the four LeBron at the five like i don't care like josh hart just needs to be on the court um so that's my biggest takeaway they're playing guys ahead of him that aren't as good and it's pretty clear and then the other big takeaway obviously kuzma at the five some didn't help javel mcgee i don't think was that good but uh the Portland got 11 offensive rebound putbacks. Like that's insane to put it in perspective. The Lakers had six. So like they doubled them up on putbacks on the offensive glass. And obviously not all of those go in, but that's one of the best looks you can get in basketball. So it's, it's weird because offensively the outside, the the perimeter play isn't there with the shooting being so bad. And then defensively the interior play isn't there at all. So it, it's kind of you know, confusing. Cause you think, all right. Well, if we're not good at, in, on defense in the paint, we must be a good perimeter team, at least you know a lot of wings, guys that can shoot, things like that. And that's not the case either. So it's going to be interesting. I think Luke Walton's got a lot of work to do with lineup adjustments, and I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he's going to have to feel things out. And I, I don't know. I think Josh Hart should be getting the third or fourth most minutes on the team. I mean, I don't know what your take is on him. He's like every everything he's done has been good. Last year, good. Like I said before, summer league. Good. Like, what more does the guy have to do to get more minutes?
0: Um again, I'm with you. I'll take this back a step further because I saw Josh Hart playing in when he was playing for Villanova when he was in college. And even back then, I was like, Yo, when Josh Hart gets when Josh Hart gets to the NBA. He's going to be a problem for teams, especially on the defensive end. So, you know, seeing seeing the fact that you know, now granted, he had he played twenty seven minutes last night. I'm with you. I felt like he should have got at least thirty. Like, there's no way. And I respect Rajon Rondo a whole lot. There's no way he should be having thirty minutes a game. That's that's insane. It's unheard of. And Rajon Rondo is one of the one of the best pure point guards we have in the league right now. But Josh Hart should be taking some of those minutes and Lonzo Ball should be taking some of those minutes. You know, Charles Barkley said it best. What is what what are the Lakers going to do when it comes to the young guys and the older guys that picked up in the offseason? We know LeBron is going to do his. We know LeBron's going to get 35 to 40 minutes a game a night. That's 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 a given because of who he is. That's his stature. It's just now, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier. Josh Hart should be playing at least 30 minutes. Rajon Rondo should not be playing 31 minutes a game. That should not be happening. But then again, you know, albeit I didn't really think LA was going to go into Portland winning last night. Like let's, let's not forget Portland finished third last year in the West and they pretty much brought back their bad
1: dudes on that team. Yeah. They have bad dudes on that team. Yeah. And they brought back, they pretty much brought back the entire
0: starting lineup. I mean, what did you expect? Now, Again, this is this is this is where you bring, look at it. Look, Damian Lillard had 28. McCollum had 21. Yusuf Nurkic had 16. But the key factor who Sas Castilla.
1: Sauce Castilla.
0: Yes, Sas Castilla was crutch was crucial last night for Portland last night. He had 24 points off the bench, five of five of eight from three. You know, he was a he he had a plus-minus of 18. So when he was in the game, they were they were up by 18 points is what you're telling me. His impact yeah. on that team last night was incredible. And I think he was the real key in Portland winning. But again, like I said, we can't – and I said it last night on Twitter when, you know, I was – because I was so stuck. I was laying in the bed. I was watching the game. And then I saw LeBron do like these the, the two Tomahawk jams. And I – Damn near fell off the bed, running down, running out the hallway, almost gave my fiance a heart attack. And she thought, like, what are you doing? That's how <laughs> that's how crazy it was. But then when I saw Nick Stauskas Staus- start raining threes, I was like, all right, here comes Portland. Rip City, you can't – that's that's a team you can't sleep on, especially when they pretty much got the entire roster back. So that's that's one thing. But – I'm looking forward to see what they're going to look like from the season on, um, especially starting, especially starting tomorrow night. They got a real test tomorrow. They got Houston and we'll, we're sh- shoot. That's for me. That's a segue because Houston, my God, I, I don't even know where to, where to begin with, with that. I, I'm, <laughs> where do you want to yeah. start?
1: Well, before we start that, I will say this and, at the national story right now, and this is a little off topic, but I'll bring it around full. Uh, the big national topic right now is Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. They can't play together because they both, because they both, you know, they can't shoot right. Well, right. no one's talking about in Lakerland, no one's talking about that. You know what? Rondo and Lonzo can't play together right now until Lonzo figures out a shot. So I think that's a narrative to look for throughout the year. Like it's either going to be Lonzo or Rondo getting the majority of the minutes at point guard, and there's only 48 of them and they're not going to split them down the middle. So that's something I would look for in the Lakers rotation, um, even as much so as against Houston, because Houston's a team, you know, like you just said. I mean, they didn't look good game one, but that's a loaded roster, and that's going to be tough. And assuming – I don't think Lonzo was on a minute restriction last night, was he? No, no, no. Lonzo was not on a minute restriction last night. I don't
0: remember seeing anything like that. It was just more – it was just more The that's how that's how he played it. That's how – That's how Walton set up the rotation for last night, which is kind of different for me.
1: Yeah, no, it is for me too. And to go into your Houston point, that's going to be a real challenge for them. I know Mark and I, I feel like we're the captains of this ship. Lonzo is a solid defensive player. He is a great team defender. Where Lonzo gets into issues is guarding guards that can create for themselves. Right. And there's so many of those yeah. guys in the league right now Damian Lillard, CJ last night, Harden and Chris Paul coming in, Donovan Mitchell, um, Kyrie. Irving. I mean, the list goes on and on of all these great point guards we have. And what the Lakers tended to do last year was put Lonzo off ball on whoever wasn't, you know, the ball, whoever really could not either one create further themselves or two be of a threat off the dribble, which is kind of the same thing, which goes into the Houston point like Rondo and Lonzo cannot play when the other backcourt is Harden and Chris Paul. Like, it's just not going to end well. And so I'm fascinated to see what Luke Walton does lineup wise. Uh, This sounds weird and this sounds crazy and it's a little unconventional, but if I'm Luke Walton, my main lineup is going to be LeBron Ingram, um, Josh Hart, KCP, just, just for defensive purposes. And man, it's hard to play Kuzma, man. I, it's I don't know who the fifth is. I mean, maybe if, I'm blanking on someone, but if if it were me,
0: if and this is this is this is what this is what I would do. This is just my personal opinion, only because of what I saw last night and what I saw from you know the Lakers in the past, even with the guys they have now. I'm I'm with you. You immediately put. Matter of fact, you can probably do it this way. And I and I kind of thought about this for a while after thinking about it. I would put JaVel McGinn at the five because you need a rim protector inside. You need to protect the paint. Um put LeBron at the four, put Kuzma at the three. Put Brandon Ingram at the two. He has been remember, he was proven to play point guard a lot
1: last year. You know, and, he, and honestly, Ingram played really good defense last night at McCollum.
0: He so he, very- he's shown
1: the ability to guard yeah, twos.
0: Yeah, he can guard the twos, and then you can you can maybe put you can flip-flop between Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, and Ray John Rondo at the point. I would probably go Lonzo Ball at the point in this situation, only because of his team defense, team defense aspect that he brings to the table. And it's because and, and you gotta remember, as much as we get on you know, Lonzo and you know needing to improve his offensive ability one of the things we know was his defense and his length and if i don't, i know you've seen it he looks visibly stronger than what he was last season so he should be able to hold his own this year guarding guards who can create who can create their own shot this season and i think this is i think he will have if he gets those minutes tomorrow night will be a real test for him
1: i worry i don't worry about lonzo's strength i worry about his quickness and his feet when people take him off the dribble I think if he's on the court tomorrow Chris Paul and James Harden will hunt him out the way they play and this is where I push back a little I I agree Lonzo's a pretty solid team defender well the Rockets really don't play much of team basketball that's a ISO heavy switch until you get the right switch take him to the rim and either kick out for a three or you know take the layup and hopefully get fouled if you miss it and I think Houston's I think in, I'll say this. If if Lonzo's on the court, I am trying to put him on PJ Tucker. I don't want Lonzo ball on either of those two guys, Chris Paul or um, James Harden. I'd much rather see Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, even a LeBron, get those kind of reps. I would play Lonzo ball off ball just because, like I said, I don't think his on-ball defense is that great and his off-ball defense is better. So I think that gives him a better chance. Uh, Javel McGee at center. Yeah, I mean that's really their only option. Everyone says they don't have enough big, or enough fives, which is true because they only have one. But I don't know. They they have the best five in the league in LeBron, but he also just happens to be the best four and the best three and the best two. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a tough situation. The Lakers, it's a flawed roster. I mean, there's holes in it, and they're gonna have to fill these holes. And I'm sure they will with buyouts and everyone wanting to play with LeBron. But I think they're gonna have a tough go of it early on because if. I mean, if Ingram and Kuma's shot isn't falling, I mean, KCP's shot is way, it's so up and down. And then it's Josh Hart. So, like, you really only got four guys on this team outside of LeBron that can that can shoot. So, yeah, I think the Houston matchup's going to be fascinating. I think it's a terrible matchup for the Lakers. But uh, we'll see what happens. Well, we'll definitely see what happens, and you know that'll be
0: this Saturday at you know ten thirty. If you don't have ESPN, you better find a way to get it on your cable subscriber because that's gonna be that's gonna be a, an interesting matchup to watch. But speaking of Houston, Houston looked, and again, it's only one game. It's the beginning of the season. They looked putrid on Tuesday night. Now, you know I'm I'm big on. Post players. I'm big on playing inside. I'm. I'm a still a firm believer of inside out, even if the game is more outside in. They gave up. The granted they lost. They played against New Orleans. You have literally the. If it's not, if it's not LeBron, if it's not KD. You have Anthony Davis, who's the third best player in the world right now. He had 32 points, 16 rebounds. Oh, third assists.
1: best, huh? Yeah, I, mean I got third it. best.
0: Yeah, I got him third best. That's that's just me. That's yeah. that's another topic for another day. That's but that's
1: another topic for
0: another day. That's another topic for another day, but that's that's just me. He had 32, 16, and 8 last night. Then you had Julius Randle who had 25 and 8. Then you had Nikola Miritich, who had 30 and 10. So I said I'll say this because this is one Houston Houston gave up 76 points in the paint last night. How yeah. in the how in the world are you going to expect to challenge a team like Golden State, who does not have Demarcus Cousins yet, mind you, and you gave up seventy six points in the paint?
1: That can't happen. I'll I'll, I'll tell you how. Um, New Orleans is a nightmare matchup. Daryl Morey has be, has built that Houston team to do one thing and one thing only. That's beat Golden State. And yes, cousins will create a massive problem for the Rockets as he will almost any team they play against. And that's why they went out and got him. But that three man, big rotation of Meritich Randall and Davis, that's about as good as it gets. I mean, and they know it's good. If you uh, look at the advanced stats, new Orleans posted up 28 times that game, Houston posted up twice. That's all you, that's all you need to know. One team did it 28 times. One team did it twice. It's a bad matchup. Uh, They're still figuring out the rotations they don't have. So the thing with new Orleans is they have like three, four, five tweeners and Houston has more three, four twe- tweeners and then one five. So they got killed on that. I don't think Harden and Chris Paul were that excited. I mean, these guys are year 10 year 14, something like that. I wouldn't take too much away from it. I will say new Orleans in the playoffs versus Houston. That's a bad matchup. And new Orleans could very well win. But they're built for one thing and one thing only. That's beating Golden State. I still don't know if it's possible. I'm still higher on Houston than most. I get it. Trevor Reese is a big loss. I get it. Luke Rashard and Bamute is a big loss. But back in that series, Luke really didn't play that much, and he played hurt, and he couldn't shoot. So, I mean, how effective was he? They signed James Ennis. I'm a big fan of him. So I'd pump the brakes in the Rockets. I'm not worried about the Rockets. I actually think they're still going to win over 60 games. I know people think Carmelo is like worth negative 30 wins at this point. I'm not one of those people. I don't think he's great, but I think they'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a bad matchup. And I'll say, like I said, if they face new Orleans in the playoffs, it's going to be a problem because that three man, big rotation, Randall bullies the hell out of f- every switch. He's anyone that gets switched on it. Randall just bullies. him. Meritage is just a smooth guy with a lot of skills. And I mean, say no more. You have Anthony Davis is the third best player in the league. I don't need to say anything about him.
0: Not at all. And, and see, that's the thing. I, again, like I said, I'm with you. I'm not putting too much stock in one game. It was just, it just looked that bad. It was, it was not a they good game bad. overall. It looked, look, looked bad. I mean, James Harden, I mean, I can read you the plus minus stats. James Harden, minus 23. P.J. Tucker, minus 13. Chris Paul, minus 19. Clint Capella, minus 14. Uh, James Ennis, minus five. We didn't start seeing pluses until it was Michael Carter-Williams, Gerald Green, Isaiah Hardenstein, and Gary Clark. And all those guys were either plus three or plus two. Even Melo. Premium Mello was, names there. Right, premium names. And remember, Michael Carter-Williams, I said it I said it Tuesday night, Michael Carter-Williams at one point was Rookie of the Year. He's on his fifth team in the last six seasons. That tells you how much he has fallen. So This just in, Michael Williams
1: is not good at basketball
0: you know it's it's crazy to me that they looked as awful as they did last night but again like like we said earlier new orleans is a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams specifically houston only because of the twins they have like you said who can play the 4 and the 5 so it it begs the question like what are they going to look like you know once the regular once the playoffs roll around and again like i said this is only one game so we'll definitely see what they'll look like once they start seeing some real tests when you got the likes of like Golden State and and like uh Boston or Toronto, you know, LA depending on how they look, Utah, Portland, Denver. especially rematch them, Den- Denver once they come into town. So we'll definitely see what they look like. It was it was just, I was just so stunned and so shocked at how bad Houston was that it was it was scary to me. And And again, I'm like Luke Mbamute. No, he wasn't. He wasn't one of those guys who's going to go out and get you 20 points. It was just his defensive ability was just that critical for that team. That that's why they could make all those plays and switch on defense so much because you had two guys in Trevor Ariza and Mbamute who could switch and guard and pretty much guard anybody on the floor. That's what gave Golden State so much problems. And you got a lot of people saying that if if Chris Paul didn't get hurt, I'm and albeit I'm one of those guys who said it. If Chris Paul didn't get hurt, Houston wins that series. That's I'm one I'm one of the guys who believes that. It's just yes, you bring in a guy like Melo who can score at will if he wants to. Um, you can you, but losing Trevor Reason to me is the big piece because watching the watching the Phoenix and Dallas game that that same uh, couple nights ago. Trevor Ariza is has that big of an impact on on a on a defense. Like he he made he made Phoenix look very very well. Now, granted, Phoenix has some studs in DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. It's just, I feel like he would have been have such more greater of an impact on Houston because Houston to me could have won the championship if they'd have maintained that at least at least keep one. You don't have to lose. You don't lose to them. You, you lose, you lose one and that'll be, that'll, that'll, that'll pretty much help your basketball bottom
1: line. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. But I think what people forget is Trevor Reese is 34. So Houston could have expected maybe a little bit of a, um, a setback as far as his defensive prowess. And I will say this, if you go back and look at history, teams that win titles they win titles because of their best guys. Like no one's going to go back and as good as he was, no one's going to go back and be like, you know what? Miami won two titles because they had Shane Battier at the four. I mean, Shane Battier was nice. He contributed, but they won two titles because they had LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. Like that's how you win a title. At the end of the day, I think people overrate Ariza a little bit. Like, oh, they need Ariza to win the title. Like if you're telling me Trevor Ariza is the difference between you winning a title and losing, like I can't, I can't, can't, I can't subscribe to that. Because I know it comes down to your best players. That's what it comes down to. And that's why I'm still high on Houston because Harden and Paul are just, they're so freaking good. And and that's how you <laughs> win. You win off of your best players. And I don't know, it's just a rant that I've been on lately. Everyone's like, oh, if they had a reason. Like, a reason is not the reason you beat the Warriors. Like, he helps. But the reason you beat the Warriors is because Harden and Chris Paul go nuts. Like, that's that's the key. So, not to get anti Ariza, but I think people forget it's, it's, th- this is the NBA. You could have 10 Trevor Arizas on your roster, you will not win a title. It, it's all about your elite talent and your elite talent performing. So I still have faith in the Rockets. And uh, yeah, I might go down with the ship, but we'll see.
0: And, and, and again, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's just to me, you know, yes, you have your elite talent. Yes, your stars are the ones who need to make sure they perform. So your James Hardens and your Chris Pauls need to make sure they show up. But the beauty of about the game of basketball is the fact that it is a team game. If your if your supporting cast does not perform well, you're not gonna win many games. Like I heard I think I I think I heard it on TV at one point. Uh the Bulls went, it was this was back in like the 90s. The Bulls went to play, they were playing, they were playing in New York, and Scottie Pippen was, you know, telling his guys like all right, guys, make sure you bring your A game. Make sure you bring your A game. Mike, Mike was like, A game, just bring a game with you, okay? Just, just bring it with you because we know what the elite guys are going to do. But if your supporting cast does not perform, if your supporting cast does not bring their game with them, you're not going to win many games. And I think that's why a lot of teams win, champ- win not just one championship, but multiple championships. Because, yes, we all know with Miami, you had LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. We knew what they were going to do, but it was those auxiliary pieces around them that definitely helped to win a championship. Like, I think it will go back to Miami. If Ray Allen doesn't hit that shot in the corner, they don't win. Now, granted, if Popovich would have played 10,000, Chris Duncan, Bosch that gets the rebound.
1: You well, know, well, Chris Bosch Chris, got the rebound and still found
0: him. So that's what I'm saying. So, That's, that's, that's the only reason why I'm like, I'm not again, I'm not like high, like a reason is going to make like that much of an impact. It's just, I just know how much he would, he would have some impact to the point where they can do so much on the defensive end when it turns to getting stops. And then your guys like Harden and Paul can go get you baskets at will if they want to. But that's, that's neither here nor there when it comes to a reason with me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I will say this, Harden is like the one superstar we have in the league who we don't know what we're getting in the late rounds of the playoffs. So there, there's that factor too. I was, I was thinking as you were talking, you're like, well, you know what you're getting from your stars. I'm like, actually James Harden's the only star. I don't know what I'm getting in some of these playoff series.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, cause James Harden has never really been that far in the playoffs before until last season. And it, and yeah, and, and honestly, Chris Paul's the same way. Kind of went a little
1: MIA. Yeah. Yeah, Chris well, Paul's I'll say season. this Chris Paul. If you go back and look at all of his playoff series, that dude played like a boss. Like, the stats are there, the eye test is there. His team just wasn't good enough. James Harden has, like, literally just been a ghost, like, in series before. I mean, it was the San Antonio series. Oh, um, Lord, let's the, not let's let's not let's, yeah. Do not. So.
0: Let's not revisit let's that. Go down a, let's,
1: let's go down a more positive rabbit hole than James Harden in the playoffs. Yeah, let's let's not. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. I I'll jump I'll jump on a
0: positive I'll jump on a positive rabbit hole for you and it's something that that is near and dear to my heart. The play of the rookies in the, in these first couple of games has has been to say the least very good. I can, and I'm going to start and end all because I'm a guy who played in the post for so many years. DeAndre Ayton looked like a man child Tuesday night, 18 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. He hit the mid range jumper with ease. He was a force inside. I mean, I'm, i that's my rookie of the year right now. I don't, I don't know how you feel about anybody else, but until someone usurps him and the way he played that night, who who who's going to take it away from him?
1: Let's let's be honest. Um, for me, and it's still early; they've each only played one game. I'm in love with Luka Doncic. He was my number one guy on the draft board. I love Luka. I think he's super talented. I think Rick Carlisle, and this is no slight, uh, Igor Koskov. I'm a fan of him as well. But uh, I think Carlisle's gonna run some funny, crazy three guard sets that'll get him involved. And I agree, Aiton was everything a number one pick is supposed to be in his debut and more. 18 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, like you said. I will say defensively, he got lost a lot. Uh I know of at You're least at it, yeah. five or five to six plays. And th- that comes. I mean, he's nineteen, twenty years old. But you know, it's fun it's it's funny, Danny. Um You'll have someone like DeAndre Ayton, right? And he's supremely talented offensively. And people are like his defense isn't good. People are like, ah, he's a young player. And then I switch over and I watch like Jaron Jackson. I'm like, so what's his excuse for not being bad at defense? Cause he's really good. You know, he's he, 17, he, 18. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see with Ayton. And he, he more than anyone on that roster, he needs to turn into a force defensively. Devin Booker could get crossed up in a phone booth. And with that being the case, he's going to need that big guy back there to protect the rim and protect the paint. So yeah, I'm probably being a little too hard on Aiden because offensively he was great, but I'm just worried defensively with him and Booker, if they're both that bad, it's scary. But I I think Luka Doncic will, uh, he'll definitely challenge him. And especially if it's not just the counting numbers, because Aiden might just pile up a ridiculous amount of counting numbers. Oh, yeah, no question. The, those,
0: those numbers will probably be, you know, crucial, especially when it comes to rookie of the year because we never – whenever we look at rookie of the year, we mostly most, – most of the time we don't really look for team success or like the advanced stats to see how this player is playing. We mostly just look at the basic stats, how many points to score, how many rebounds did they get, you know, the basics. But the thing about it is, and you brought up Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson had a pretty solid game for his, for his rookie debut a couple of nights ago. He had 10 points, five rebounds. And again, like you said, on the defensive end, he had three steals, he had a block, um, and you know he's in, and the only, and the different thing about Jaron Jackson and Aiton, you know, Jaron Jackson can score the basketball some. He's he's proven to do that from time to time. So it's it's going to be it's going to be crucial to see with that. But the one rookie I want to get into, and it's some, and it's it's somebody who I saw as the wild card from the time we were talking about him when he was in Oklahoma. Trey Young got it and again, it's only one game he's still he's still a young player he got exposed against uh who did they play that night um he got exposed against new york his yeah, his yeah his lack of size is going to be an issue you know down the line in this season, and it really showed because. He really made he really made some critical critical errors down the stretch against New York. He had four turnovers, but then again, we also look at the fact that he couldn't when he drove to the basket. He couldn't. We, it seen he really couldn't handle contact. Whenever they came off of the high pick and roll screen, uh, they pretty much just double teamed him, and it kind of forced him into making bad decisions with the basketball or not really engaging the offense really well. So Trey Young to me is going is somebody who I'm really going to look out for to see if he can. Make some sort of improvement to better his output on the in on the season,
1: yeah, Trey Young's an interesting guy, right? You either like him or you hate him, and there seems to be no way to be in between um but for me, I'm not a Trey Young fan for one reason um he they essentially picked him third in the draft. they would have I know he actually went fifth and they got traded for Luca and all that, but When I watch, all right. So I'll say this, and I this is kind of the mindset I always have. If I'm a general manager or I'm a coach, the goal at the end of the day is to win a title. Like that's why you're there. That's why you're drafting. That's why you're signing people. You're trying to win a title. Like that. If that's not your goal, like I don't know if you should have a job because that's uh, that you're in the NBA. So I say that to say this: Trey Young is a gifted passer. He offensively is pretty creative. The shot, he never has any quarrels with pulling the trigger. But when you get to high-level basketball, and we saw this in the playoffs, Terry Rozier is a solid defender. Terry Rozier has decent size, quickness, strength. Terry Rozier is a plus defender. What they did in the playoffs was they just kept switching until LeBron was on Terry Rozier. And then there's nothing Terry Rozier could do. And all of a sudden it becomes Terry Rogier is the issue. And it's like, he's the issue and he's a good defender, right? So even if Trey Young gets to the level of Steph, and if he does, people forget, Steph is like a legit 6'4", 6'5", and way stronger. And Trey can get stronger, but he's slight of build. I worry that even at the best of Trey, and James Harden is the same thing. James Harden, not a good defender. No one questions how strong that guy is. And he's a legit 6'4", 6'5". So, Trey Young, even if he hits his potential, I just see in any playoff series, teams will just hunt him down every possession. And until he can figure something out against that, I'm not a big fan of Trey Young because, like I said, I, every time I would build a team, I'd try to build it to win a title because that's the point. And I just think come playoff time, and the Hawks are a long way away from playoff time, but come playoff time, that, that could be a major issue.
0: That is depending if the Hawks ever know what the playoffs smell like.
1: But well, they they actually had the longest playoff streak in in the NBA up until uh, two years ago.
0: Right, they knew what it was like to get to the playoffs, and then they shipped everybody out, and the playoffs have become foreign territory to Atlanta at this point. It, it,
1: it might be an equally long streak until they get back. It, it, yep, yep.
0: That's the that's the one thing I'm worried about when it comes to 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 the Hawks. So who knows what Trey Young will look like in the playoffs if and when they decide to actually reach the playoffs? But I'm with you. I again, I was not, I wasn't as high on Trey Young as a lot of people were. You know, they were high on him because, like you said, his his ability to pass the ball, his range, you know, his craftiness. But again, his size, his strength, very poor decision making. He was he was he was pretty much my wild card, and again, like you said, his ability on the defensive end is going to be a problem, because because again, the guards in the NBA are so much bigger and stronger. So who knows what will happen in that situation? But again, like I said, it's early in his career. He's still young. He has time to grow. So who knows what will happen? You know, down the line as the season goes on, because you know there were. There are going to be a, there are going to be a number of games and we a number of players where he's going to find a way to get the job done because like most rookies, because Mobamba played well, Kevin Knox he had a decent game. You know these rookies are coming into a situation where they're going to have to grow up very early and very fast because unlike you know unlike most rookies who are who are drafted later on into winning situations, a lot of the guys we mentioned early they're in situations where teams are rebuilding and. They are going to be looked upon to really, really be able to produce for these teams. And, you know, you brought up Aiden's defense. Um, Luka Doncic is going to fit in well because of the way Rick Carlisle schemes, his offenses around. That three guard offense is going to be a threat in the Western Conference because you got like guys like him, Dennis Smith, and Wesley Matthews on his rotation. You know what's going to happen with Marvin Bagley, because he he looked spotty playing only 12 minutes the, the other night. Hopefully you know, not playing
1: the three. Let's hope no, for
0: that. He better not Let's play the three. I,
1: my God.
0: If he plays the three, I'm going to be upset, and I'll probably scream and throw something. But yeah. that that can't happen. But it's it's still early, so we'll definitely see what these rookies will look like because there's a team out west in, in the city of Oakland who is going to – look to the repeat this year and guess if you don't follow basketball if you don't know where oakland is i'm pretty much talking about the golden state warriors they they look like typical golden state warriors in game one you know they played. they got a they got a tough game the night against utah that'll be a good test for them it's just can they can they seriously be challenged I mean, I called it, I was, we were talking about on our last episode, I said Boston would win the championship. I think Boston is the is the threat in the in the east. Um Houston, depending on what they do, is the threat in the west. It's just Golden State looks Golden State cuz even when you don't get a good output from like Draymond and Klay Thompson, you still got to worry about Steph who put up 32. Kevin Durant put up 27. You know, that's a scary thought. That's a very, very scary thought. And then at the same time, we mentioned it earlier. DeMarcus Cousins isn't really in the rotation yet. He's got to come back healthy. So who knows what's going to happen. Um, I
1: will definitely see. Woody, what's your take on how Golden State may look? Golden State is gonna look however Golden State wants. I think that's gonna be the takeaway. This is year three for this crew, uh, two straight or two straight finals for this crew, four straight for, you know, Clay, the, the, the three mainstays, uh, Draymond, Clay, and Steph. And the regular season, like I said, it's just going to be whatever Golden State wants. Like, if they want to come out tonight and dominate Utah, then that's what they'll do. If tonight they don't really feel like there's a need for them to play because it's a Friday night and maybe they want to go out or something, well, then they're probably not going to play that hard, and Utah always plays hard and executes, and it'll be a close game or Utah will win. So... Regular season, it's going to be, like I said, you'd have to be in the locker room each night to understand or know what Golden State's probably going to put on the floor. But, uh, yeah, it's the question is going to become playoff time uh, when they face the Houston's, uh, even the Utah's, the Denver's. Denver's going to be able to score a shit ton of points this year. I mean, they can fill it up, that squad. And then, yeah, when it comes down to the finals, the biggest thing Boston has an, as an advantage versus Golden State is they haven't been to four straight finals. Um, They haven't had all these long playoff runs. Gordon Hayward will be fresh because he didn't play any basketball last year. And Kyrie Irving only played 60 games due to injury this season before. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are in year two and three. And that's, I think, all things similar. That could be what just propels Boston is the lack of mileage on their guys, the lack of titles on the team. And I think, Golden State's title will be 100% predicated off of the me- the mental state, how motivated they are, how burnt out they feel. All those th- things I think will be the deciding factor cuz talent alone, it's Golden State in the field, especially with Boogie Cousins coming back. I know some people are like, "Oh, Boogie, I don't think Boogie will help them." Go pop in some Cousins tape. Like he's just freaking good. Like he's he he will help them. I promise you, when, when Durant and Curry sits and you put in Boogie and the other team's got, like, I don't know, a, a, a solid five, he's going to eat. Like, that's just what he's going to do. And so, yeah, for me, Golden State's going to go as far as they want, and I think it's 100% their mental state that takes them however far it takes them.
0: Man, eat is such a nice word. DeMarcus Cousins will feast on whatever
1: post, whatever they player they put on him in the post – it's simple plain bar none that that man took 5.3 million you can't tell me he's not gonna have a chip on his shoulder he's gonna have a
0: huge chip on his shoulder because in my because
1: he's only one of those guys who feels like
0: he deserves a good 150 million dollar contract maybe 200 million dollar contract depending on how he plays this season so he's going to be a scary scary thought for a lot of teams once he comes back healthy and i think I think at, I don't know if the timetable was right. I think the timetable was supposed to be around February, so a little bit after the All Star break. So we'll we'll be keeping an eye on them, you know, especially down the line as the season goes on. Because, like you said, with with Golden State, it's it's more of a mental aspect. It's more of will they have the mentality? Will they have the wherewithal to stay motivated to play out the regular season? Because as we all know when it comes to teams like that we judge them on one time of the season, and one time of the season only and that's from late April to early June.
1: Yeah, you're 100% right. No no one cares what Golden State's record was in February. They they're going to be it's all about it's all about the spring for those guys.
0: It's always it's all you're right. It's always about the spring, it's always about the summer for them. So I'm not surprised that that you know we're sitting here talking about the Golden State Warriors in October. You know, well, actually, it does kind of surprise me because we know, we know when is the time to start looking at them, when it's time to really start talking about them. And that's usually around time after the all-star break to see if they still have the motivation to keep going on through the regular season and then turn it back on for when the playoffs get started. So who knows? But that's just that's just how that's how polarizing and how good Golden State really is. When you have legitimately five all stars in your starting lineup, that's that's unheard of. We haven't seen a lineup like that since the Celtics in during the seventies. You know, that's that's just totally unheard of. We've never even seen a uh, it's been a long time since it's been a senior team with four all stars in the lineup. So that's that just that just goes to show you how talented Golden State really is and where we see them lining up once the regular season is I,
1: over. I got to stop you real quick. Uh, We've seen the four All-Stars in a lineup before. I don't know if you remember those legendary Atlanta Hawk teams of about four years ago. Oh, God. (laughs) The Kyle Corver, Jeff Teague, Al Horford, and uh, who is the fourth All-Star there? It's Corver, Teague, Horford, and Millsap. Millsap. Yeah. yeah. That that doesn't count. That's basically the two best teams in the last 10 years, the only two to have four All-Stars.
0: Yep. Well, unfortunately, huh, one team has a championship, and one team got knocked out by LeBron James in the conference finals.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to let you know the four All Star thing. We've seen it recently. All right. So I, I, I give you that one. I, I <laughs> you. Yeah. All jokes aside, though, that team was never the threat Golden State was. No, not at all. Not at all. And and granted, only one of those guys is
0: still a legitimate threat, and that's Al Horford because he's playing in Boston, so he still has a chance to get the championship. Jeff Teague's not going to step a championship no time soon. Paul Millsap, depending on how Denver plays in the next couple of years, we might be talking about Denver down the line. Uh, Kyle Korver, I'm sorry, he won't see a championship no time soon. So who knows? But again, that's just how Paul. Again, that's how just that's just how good Golden State is. And when Demarcus Cousins comes back, that's five All Stars. So. As much as much as we want to, as much as I want to get into more about Golden State, it's no point because it's going to get to a point where we already said it earlier. We really will start talking about them once end of the season, getting towards postseason, get started. So that's 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 the main thing with Golden State because the only other storyline, well, other main basketball storyline, we'll get to the the eventual really good storyline later on later on the episode. The Jimmy Butler saga and the and the jump had the greatest title for it. It's called Dancing with T Wolves. What in the world is going on up in Minnesota when it comes to Jimmy Butler? What are they gonna do? Where are they, are they gonna move him? Are they gonna keep
1: him? What do you think of that? Um, I think they have to move him. Um I you can't let him walk and not get any any sorts of assets, albeit even if it's, you know, 50 cents on what you paid on the dollar. You have to move him. Um, He's not re-signing Minnesota. I mean, it seems like that's just a fact of the matter. He doesn't want to be there anymore. The Towns and Wiggins thing is real. Um, He wants a big market. Jimmy Butler came into the league. Great story. Country kid, drove a pickup truck, you know, only got an offer from Marquette, you know, last pick in the first round. And let's be honest, he's transformed himself into a top 15 player. He's an all-star and you know, he's a little bit of a diva. A guy likes big lights. He likes big cities. Um, for him to say it's all about winning and then want to trade to Miami is confusing to me because say what you want about Carl Anthony towns, but in five years from now, he's going to be one of the five to eight best players in the NBA. And if no, you want course. to win, and if you want to win, hit your wagon to the 22 year old who'll be there for the next five years. Cause it sounds weird, but, Danny, in the next five years, the Warriors aren't going to be the Warriors anymore. Steph will be 35. Clay will be 33. Durant might not be there. And so for him to say it's all about winning and then want to go down to Miami, where they're kind of locked into the roster they have. And to be honest, I don't know where Jimmy Butler puts that team. I there's not better than Boston. They're not better than Toronto. They're not better than Philly. So I think they have to move them. It's just, it's just surprising to me that Jimmy's trying to write this narrative of it's all about winning when, you know. They were like three games away from the three seed and he missed like twenty-six games last year. If he doesn't miss that time, they're the three seed in the West. So I, I mean he's gonna move. I just think it's very hypocritical for him to pound this it's always about winning narrative when it's clearly not. Oh no, no
0: question. It was it's never about him. It's about it's about the it's about the money aspect. He wants to go where he's gonna get paid the most. It's just the thing about it is you gotta think about the, you know, the teams he mentioned when he said he wanted to get traded to. The Clippers, the Nets, Miami, you know, who knows? But then again, there was also those talks for a little bit. I don't know if you read any of it, read and LC leaves during the summer. There were talks that he wanted to go play with, you know, him and Kyrie were having talks about playing together. So what happens if he leaves in the off season and he goes to Boston?
1: Well, I'll say this. Kyrie clarified that he hadn't talked to Jimmy since 2016 and Boston next summer, Boston next summer will not have any cap space to bring in Jimmy Butler. And I doubt they would want to move. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I don't think they would move Hayward or Horford and I mean, even Kyrie to open that cap space. So Jimmy could want to go to Boston, but he'd have to do the DeMarcus cousins special basically. And so he's not doing that. I think the best move for, minnesota is to trade him to the clippers the clippers are gonna have two max cap space slots next year you could trade uh tobias harris for him you could trade danilo gallinari and a piece you could trade one of the young guys shea or jerome robinson you can you know they have so many workable contracts picks players things like that it is la jimmy wants to be in la and i think the big thing is we haven't i mean we don't hear anything out of Kawhi's camp but besides he wants to be in la and I don't think Kawhi really cares to be for on the Lakers or Clippers. And so I think Jimmy, you know, the Clippers trade for Jimmy, get the rights, get him in the building, and then uh, bring in Kawhi as the second banana. I've been big on the Clippers' front office since they did their overhaul. I like the guys that they have there. Um, they're building something nice. They're contending with – they're going to They're gonna be a, a good team this year with the ability to have two max cap slots in the offseason and still be able to trade for a guy because they have they just have a lot of guys players or, or teams would need slash want whether it's you know the two young guys they drafted Pat Beverly everyone would love him on their his team on their team Danilo Gallinari is overpaid but every team could use a four that can stretch the floor they have a lot of fun pieces Avery Bradley things like that so I think the Clippers are the favorite in this and I think the Miami's just a smokescreen.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing. It was, it was, it was wild to the. It got to the moment where I was just sitting there like, okay, Miami is not going to be a player in this talk once it gets really serious, because it's going to get to the point where Pat Riley is going to get, you know, how they say, uh, frustrated and impatient, because Tibbs is only making this move just to, just to try and get Jimmy back in, and it, it kind of, he kind of got what he wanted. Jimmy's back, so. It's definitely going to be key to see what's going to happen. I'm with you. I think the Clippers are pretty much the leader in the in the clubhouse right now. So he really, so the Clippers need to find a way to make this happen. If it was up to me, I would go ahead and make that move. You could definitely send Jimmy Butler to, to the Clippers for, say, like a guy like Danilo Gallinari or Tobias Harris. And you could throw in Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. So that way they have that young point guard that's ready up and coming. So Minnesota could definitely make that move. It's just – is it's Minnesota willing to pull that trigger and make that deal with the Clippers? And I think Tibbs is is one of those guys who's not going to pull that trigger only because he got what he wanted already. Jimmy's back, and he's, he's back with the team. So who knows what's going to happen down the line once the season goes on.
1: If they don't pull that trigger, they're going to regret it.
0: Oh, they'll definitely regret it. They'll regret it big time sure so i think they're regretting it now not moving
1: him as 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 soon as they can yeah they, sh- they should i mean that's why your president can't also be your head coach and your gm it's i think this will probably be the last time we see teams try to get one guy to kind of cover three positions
0: yeah i don't think i don't think we'll see this ever again i'm 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 with you on that it's been there. bad
1: every time and this is almost the worst one so i think it's just coming to a head and the NBA is gonna be like, yeah, we're we're not gonna do this again because we need a guy that cares about the players on the court, and we need another guy that cares about the organization's future because you can't do both. No, you can't, and <clears throat> we've we
0: very we very rarely seen, you know, a a pre, a bas, a basketball coach and the president of the basketball operations really work well. It's very rare. I don't, even, I don't even remember. I don't even recall the last time we actually saw it work real well. That's how rare it is. It's happened so, once in San Antonio. Well, San Antonio doesn't count because Popovich is, is is basketball royalty at this point.
1: So, so funny, re, f- funny history fact. I'm not sure if you know or the listeners know at home, but Popovich was actually the GM of the Spurs and then fired the coach and made himself the coach. And then about is, eight years late, when that about eight years later, he hired R. C. Buford, who worked for him to be the GM. So Pop is, was the GM, then was the coach, and then was the coach that hired the GM. That is exactly right, and a lot of people don't know that. That's yeah. a scary. That's a scary thought that a lot of people. That's don't hilarious. Know that. I, maybe everyone's trying to do that, but good luck. Yeah, that's it's, it's not going to happen because you got to think about look, and we're and we're talking about the
0: Spurs. Look what happened in that situation when they fired the coach. And Pop became the coach. R.C. Buford comes in. David Robinson gets hurt. Who's number one pick in the draft that yeah, the Spurs the draft? Tim him? Duncan. You yeah. get Tim Duncan. So crazy gotta, how much
1: better of a GM you are when you get Tim
0: Duncan. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? But yeah. that's just that's just that's just it. He's he's one of the he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And unfortunately for Tibbs, Tibbs is in a situation. He's in a no win situation. Because of the fact that you got a guy who pretty much came to your practice, took your third stringers and kicked the crap out of your your starters in practice, It's unheard of. So, I think it's I'm I'm with you. I think they need to move him. The team who needs to go ahead and pull the trigger are is the is the Clippers. If Phoenix can find it, because. Phoenix can find a way to nudge themselves in to be that third team in the trade and try to get a point guard out of the situation. I think Phoenix needs to jump in and make that happen. But for right now, the, the, the favorite to make this happen clearly, clearly are is the Clippers and they need to go ahead and make that happen. Um, but the, the main thing that we got to get into, and it's, it's a somber note, but it's a, it's a, it's, this is this is this is what we do. We like to talk about things that happen within the basketball realm. I don't know if you guys have seen it in the news lately. Yes, the Paul Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft, owner of the Blazers for the past <laughs> thirty seasons, he had passed away on Monday uh, at the age of sixty-five due to complications of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, he was one of the he was one of the the better owners and one of the more tenured owners in the NBA. And for someone who was able to take Portland, who was, who was somewhat successful at the time, but they weren't really hitting their stride yet. He kind of took Portland and made them a great destination to go play basketball at.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I know a couple other media outlets have said no one ever saw Portland as a small market just because of Paul Allen as their owner. He was one of the most powerful, you know, tech guys, co-founder of Microsoft came up with Bill Gates and he just had so much money that, you know, people always thought Portland was on the table. He built, you know, a respectable franchise. They had those that uh, great run at the late nineties, early two thousands, kind of hit a black spot with the jailblazers. But then, you know, they had a really fun team when they had Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge and That didn't work out and they were able to bring in you know McCollum and Lillard and they've always been relevant it's never been a destiny granted they've never signed a major you know superstar in that market but it seems like a market that's respected by all the superstars and a place people like going that's 100 percent because of Paul Allen and he did the same thing with the Seattle Seahawks um he owns the um uh Seattle Sounders I think as the soccer team and it's just that whole Northwest, not that he owns it, but he was kind of the architect of solid sports being played there and a place athletes wanted to go, you know, which you can't say about every uh, every market.
0: No, you can't. You really can't. And the thing about it is, like you said, one of the things we noticed, like you said, one of the things we noticed is Paul Allen was maybe he was a tech guy. He was known for his philanthropy. But one of the things he was really known for was making sports in the, the Pacific Northwest, Particularly basketball was one of the things he wanted to bring back and get people to notice especially when it comes into professional ranks now granted, he grew up in Seattle most of his life, so he was always going to like the seahawks games and and you know a- supersonics and mariners but it was the it was the game with the supersonics that really got him to really want to really get more involved in basketball you gotta remember at the time they were the sonics were already owned i forget the owner's name at the time but it really but hearing but once he heard that the blaze was it going was up the for sale, uh it
1: was the, it was the founder of the starbucks uh the starbucks guys yeah right they they were
0: they were they found they were the owner of the sonics and once he heard that but the thing about it is once he heard that Portland was up for sale because the owner at the time was looking to move them to California. He was like, I'm going to take advantage of this. And around the time he did it, Microsoft went public. So which means he was worth a lot. He had a lot of money that he could use to make things happen. And once he heard the blazers up for sale, he jumped on it. And the minute he jumped on Portland, the minute he jumped on buying Portland, Portland became a very good destination for some basketball. Now, again, they have not been able to sign like a a superstar guy you know, in the in the free agency period. You know, you got to think of some of the superstars they've had in Portland since Paul Allen has been there. And all those guys have nothing but great things to say about them. It started with Clyde Drexler. You had guys like Cliff Robinson, who was one of the role guys, and Terry Porter in the early 90s. Again, you brought up the jailblazers Blazers with Shee Wallace and, you know, a much
1: heftier Zach Randolph Sean. and Zach Ricky, Randolph, Wilson, Ricky Davis. Uh, Ricky Davis. Uh, there was a ton of them. I forget all of them, but, you know, it was a – it was a wild,
0: wild crew. And then, you know, you bring them to the, the, the future. You had LaMarcus Aldridge, Brandon Roy, before he got hurt. And I feel like he would have been. A-
1: if Greg Odin and Brandon Roy only stayed healthy, maybe Paul Allen gets a title there. I don't know. I mean, those, because it would have been Odin, Aldridge, and Roy. And man, would have that been fun. Oh, that'd have been some that would have been some
0: fun basketball up in Portland at that time if Olden and Roy would have stayed healthy. But even then, look what it turned out that they got. They got DeMark, uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, And then they got a good cast up there right now in Portland. It's just they were they're to me, they're like maybe one or two pieces away from really calling themselves championship contenders. You know, remember Portland's not that far off. So and all of that is due to Paul Allen's influence in the league and what he's been able to do to turn portland into a great destination to watch some great professional basketball but then again like i said that's just how his impact was on sports in the pacific northwest from the time and and here's a step that a lot of people don't know from the time paul allen bought the trailblazers in 88 to now when he bought them they were valued at 70 million dollars in 2018 right now the Portland Trailblazers are valued at 1.3 billion dollars. That's crazy. That tells you how much of an impact Paul Allen and the moves he made and the, and the decisions he made was able to help make Portland what it is right now. And you know that seat in in the mo in the Motor Center, you know, all along the side along the sideline it's going to seem really, really bleak and really empty with his, with his presence, not sitting in that seat right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it stinks for Portland. It stinks for the Northwest. It sinks, it stinks for the NBA. And you know, we haven't talked you and I about this, but socially, that's why I'm such a fan of the NBA. They're very progressive on a lot of issues going on in the country. And Paul Allen was one of the first NBA owners to be on the more progressive side. And granted, he, he, bought the team in 88 but it's not like he was like that old money or that old man donald sterling kind of thought process he was always progressive he was always trying to get stuff better for the players and it's just a loss he was a humanitarian he took a ton of money into projects overseas and in africa and he did uh, a big research i think on the coral reef and society takes a loss you know we always talk basketball danny and that's what we love but you know, you take the thirty thousand foot perspective, and he, and humanity just lost a good guy, and a caring guy, and a guy that gave, gave, gave way more than he needed than he was, you know, had to for sure.
0: No question, no question about it. And and then you know, I leave you know, I leave with this quote, and this is a quote from Adam Silver. It was he was talking about uh, Paul Allen, you know, and the and the irony of it is he he owns the Trailblazers. Um, Excuse me. Adam Silver said this, and I quote, Paul Allen was the ultimate trailblazer in business, philanthropy, and sports. So we we hear it hand down, man down. And I know uh Rob, you all have the sentiments at the five by five. We send our condolences out to the Allen family. Um losing a really, really good guy who was great for sports, who was great for humanity, and uh we're gonna miss him very dearly. But we're gonna this is we're going to sign out on here. Um, this has been one. This has been another edition of the hand down, man down. Show. Um before we go, Rob, man, as always, thank you so much for joining on in the show for the day. Um, go ahead and tell the guys, what you, everybody listening at home, what you got in store for you guys coming down the line for the five by five.
1: Yeah, so if you follow me, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sony N B A. That's R-O-B-S-O-N-I-N-B-A. You can find me on there. I'm pretty engaging. I'm trying to get better at Twitter this year. I know I have to. Five by 5com It's the five by five. First five spelt out. Second one, number five. We have articles on there, draft rankings, podcast stuff like that. We're just gonna start amping up the content now as the season gets here. And uh yeah, I wrote a little piece about Jimmy Butler. Uh, the biggest thing that I try to do for our website is if there's any breaking news with trades, free agents, anything like that, I try to get a reactionary piece up within you know two to three hours. I try to beat the mainstream media, and when I do, I've been pretty accurate. So if you hear, if you see a Woj bomb, if your phone goes off with a Woj bomb, uh, head over to the five by five com. I'll have our thoughts and opinions and my insight, which you know, like I said, I've been pretty accurate so far the past year I've been doing it. So like I said, if you get a woad you head over to the five dot 5com look for our reaction and hopefully we make you smarter with some of your friends.
0: Nice, nice. And for us guys, you like I've always said we got a love stuff coming down the pike. We got a lot of opinionated I got a lot of opinionated stuff coming coming along. So it's fine. So just wait on my next piece. It should be talking about the early the early season, the early storylines of the NBA, particularly like he said the Jimmy Butler trade and what's going on in LA? So just be on the lookout for things. And, you know, I got one more thing before I go. Rob, this is for you. Seti Osmond for president.
1: Uh, and, on that,
0: <laughs> and on that note, we are out of here. We'll catch you guys later.
1: All right. Thanks, Danny. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh.